Hey, before we dive into today's episode, I've got something really special to share with you. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably know that nothing excites me more than connecting with smart, ambitious people in our lifestyle investor community. So this May, I'm hosting a one-day live event right here in Austin, Texas. This will only be the second time we've ever opened our doors to non-mastermind members, and the last time we did it, attendees said it was the best event of 2023. The one-day event is a small, interactive workshop designed to be as impactful and actionable as possible. You'll be learning hands-on from some of the brightest minds and my personal go-to experts in the industry. I'm thrilled to welcome Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Killing Sacred Cows. He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor podcast, who will share with you how to unlock your true wealth potential. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. And lastly, for those of you who are serious about taking a more proactive approach, when you join us for the one-day live event, you'll be invited to a one-day vetting deals course happening the day before the main event. It's our most requested course, and we want to have this unique opportunity to learn directly from one of my personal friends and best resources, Hans Box, who vets the majority of our deals inside the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind. He'll walk you through his process so you can refine yours, along with plenty of commentary from me. We're keeping the size of this group super limited to ensure that you receive personal attention and get all your questions answered. So if you're ready to join us, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live to secure your ticket. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. If you want to live a rich life, one of the most important assets to invest in is yourself. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have your health, the money is pointless. While today's episode doesn't cover the usual investing strategies our guests normally speak on, it does offer valuable insight into how someone with a difficult past can face their fear, let go of the past, and completely turn their life around for the better. I'm talking with Stefanos Sifandos. Steph is a behavioral scientist and relationship expert who has worked with elite special forces soldiers, Olympic gold medalists, high-performing CEOs, 
entrepreneurs, world champion fighters, and everyday people, helping them to move past their trauma and step into freedom. Before Steph could help all those people, he needed to help himself first. He grew up in a low-income family with an abusive father, and the trauma he went through as a child wreaked havoc on his life as an adult. He became addicted to food, porn, sex, and abusive relationships. After years of struggle, he decided to stop the past from influencing his present. He explored his deep-seated pain and saw the man he could be if he didn't allow those demons to define him. Today, he no longer fears his insecurities and isn't afraid to share them with those he loves. In our conversation, we dig into the importance of facing and working through difficult emotions and past traumas and surrounding yourself with people who believe in you. We also go over Steph's strategies for doing the inner work he used to overcome years of depression and feelings of low self-worth so that he could build a thriving business and a freedom lifestyle. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Steph has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor podcast listeners. Steph and his wife, Christine Hassler, are both relationship coaches with over 30 years of experience. They are also a married couple who found each other on opposite sides of the world and are passionate about living in sacred union with each other. Their love story is amazing, but not unique because anyone and everyone is capable of a conscious, loving, passionate, and ever-evolving relationship. Steph and his wife want to share their experiential sacred union process with you, which is their framework for building an epic relationship. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 105. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Stephanos Sifondos. Well, hey, Steph, I'm so glad that you're able to join us today. I'm excited to dig into a bunch of topics, but welcome. Thank you, Justin, for having me, brother. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's cool seeing you in a new season of life because I knew you as a husband, but not yet a dad. And we just got done talking about how you're now officially a dad. You took the last seven weeks off. Today is day one that you're actually back in the office. And what a privilege it is to have you choose us and be on the show. So thank you. No, I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, it's definitely interesting being back. Uh, I mean, I've been working the last seven weeks, but I really haven't been doing too much or as much as I usually do. So it's uh, I'm all in. I'm all in. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So uh, I'd love to kind of just hear your story. I mean, I luckily know tons of bits and pieces of this just from our interactions. And uh, you and I have really gotten close. I think we originally met. We have so many mutual friends, but I think Mike Dillard originally connected us. Yeah, dinner at his place. Yeah, we had an awesome time with with him and with uh, Cody Sanchez and Chris Petkus and you and your wife and my wife, and it was just a an incredible conversation. That that dinner ended up being like a six hour dinner. It was awesome. Yeah. With days of quote unquote freedom, you know, <laughs> I know you had kids for a while, but just now with a newborn, it's like everything, all the attention's on her. Oh yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll notice a season where it shifts, but you'll, you'll get it back. That season will, will shift back and you'll gain more freedom again. 
But I'd love to hear your story as an entrepreneur. Why, why did you get into entrepreneurship? Why did you move to the U.S.? I mean, you've kind of been and lived all around the world. You could be anywhere. Why here? Yeah. Well, my wife's American. Christine's American. So that's why we're here. Um, and, you know, I'd been to America quite a few times uh, prior to, to meeting my wife, Christine. And I love the place. I mean, this is such a, such a rich, fertile place for innovation and creativity and you know the for lack of a better term the american dream you know it's a really an interesting it's an interesting concept especially as an outside looking i've been living here for four years now america is this beast that is very different to the rest of the world i've spent a decent amount of time in china as well and i mentioned china because it's almost like i don't want to say culturally or geopolitically the opposite of america but they do sit on varying ends of the spectrum right and so and even australia being more more socialist in nature, right? And coming to America where there's this independence and this value of independence and creating and accomplishing and achieving and being at the pinnacle of whatever it is that you're interested in. There's there's excitement around that, right? And so being here has been um, eye-opening for me and also deeply rewarding as well and enriching and expansive for my business. But for me, what got me, you know, to be really honest and very transparent, what got me into my entrepreneurial journey and wanting to create wealth for myself, but also impact and income, right? Like that has been a big part of my life, wanting to create impact in the world that is meaningful and tangible. And all, all of that, even the, the desire to create incomes, I grew up, we grew up lower class or maybe upper lower class or maybe like really lower middle class. And so we didn't have a lot of money. And my father's relationship and my mother's relationship to money was very strained. We were living week to week. My my father was a gambling addict and we struggled in that in that in that sense. You know, an, an electricity bill would come and I would just remember my father screaming that my mum leaves the lights on. And I grew up in a very aberrant violent, abusive household. There was, there was the emotional and the physical abuse and there was this relationship to money and, and material wealth that was very strained and very awkward. And growing up, I, I just wanted to, you know, I would watch um, National Geographic with my grandparents. This was quite nostalgic for me. And I would see all of these cultures around the world. I uh, really evoked the sense of I want to travel the world. I got sad. I got sad looking at all these people in developing nations that didn't have the things that we had, which was a roof over our head and food on the table. We had at least had that. I said, well, I want to, I want to make a difference in the world. And so that, that idea, it, it, it grew, it expanded. And I wanted to do more of that. And I was also tired of not having money. And so I wanted to create more wealth. And I spent, to be honest, I spent a big portion of my life, of my adult life, 15 years being in debt, not having wealth, not accumulating wealth, not being able to hold on to it, not knowing how to invest it. I had these grand ideas, but I had no structure and substance. I had no education. And honestly, I hadn't done my inner work to really equilibrate those wounds about money, like my money story, not from a perspective of mindset, but from a perspective of deeper inner child healing, somatic, emotional, spiritual healing. Wow, there's so many layers to you know what you just described here, and your story sounds fascinating. And it's interesting hearing the family life that you had, the household you grew up in, and maybe the different moves that you would make. And also, 
this flip, right? It's there's so much that we learn from our parents where it's like, oh man, I was trying to avoid this. How did I fall in line? Whereas there's other ones that are polar opposites where it's like, you know, I am never going to be this way or think this way or do these things. I hear kind of the, the foundation of a scarcity mindset at home. So how did you bridge that gap, Steph? Yeah, I had to go to the depths of my pain. Like that's, that's the truth of it, right? I had to really touch that pain in ways that I hadn't before to be able to, because a scarcity mindset or a poverty mindset or a relationship to, to money, to wealth, to abundance that is strained is ultimately tied to non-deservedness, low self-worth, low self-esteem. And so we have to go, you know, shame is a beast as well. So we have to go to what really is the foundations of that mindset, of that belief system. It's one thing to work with beliefs and work with mindset and and, and it's important. Don't get me wrong. It is important. It's an access point to deeper layers of self. It is a way to see and feel the world differently, more see the world differently. It's a way to begin to understand that an alternate reality, an alternative reality exists for you that could be far more beneficial, far more value aligned with who you're becoming, who you want to be and who you are and who you don't want to be. But to really go deep, we have to get into the body. We have to close the loop on on that trauma. And self-worth and shame are very, very big aspects of ourselves, of of the human condition. And when that self-worth is low, like it was with me, and I would compensate in the world, and it was so low that I would do anything, including sabotage myself, to look a certain way. So I would get the cars... Have a nice car, but it would come at, I couldn't afford the car. So I had to put it on credit or I I would get myself in massive amounts. I was at $150,000 of credit card debt, credit card debt. And and given that was surviving, that was business, that was myriad choices that I made that were just not mature choices because I was wanting to be seen in a particular way because I was compensating for my low self-worth because I didn't like who I was and I hadn't dealt with that pain. I hadn't dealt with the, the, the effects of the abuse and the trauma and the, the environment that I grew up in. And so I had to touch that, Justin. That's how I bridged the gap. And I did that in a work and I, and I continue to do that in a work, of course, but that's when everything really shifted. And I also want to say credit where credit is due. I was on that path and on that trajectory before I met Christine. And when I met Christine, my life really expanded in ways I I could never have, well, actually I could imagine, I was dreaming about it for many years, but it was expanded in really profound ways because she not only saw my potential and believed in me, which very few people did in the world, that was my experience at least, but she, she also didn't judge me. And she met me with compassion. And compassion for me was very difficult. Judgment or non-judgment rather for me was very difficult. I never had that experience with my father and my parents. My mom, not not as much. But my father was very judgmental and very non-compassionate. And so having that from my my partner, it was first at all very shocking. I I didn't believe it. I didn't want to embrace it. But as time went on, it really helped me tap into and touch aspects of me that I hadn't been able to before. And that gave me energy and that gave me more confidence. Now, it wasn't that she gave me confidence. It was being witnessed in a particular way that I then interpreted and I ran with it. 
I'm a relationships person. You put me in relationship with anyone, and if I can add value to that relationship, I most definitely will. And if I can ask for something, I most definitely will. So it's reciprocal, and we're we're growing together. And Christine knew a lot of people here in America. I was very foreign to America. I didn't know anyone here. And she would introduce me to her friends and people, and I would make use of those relationships. I would add value, just natural value to that relationship. I didn't need anything in return because I was just grateful to make friends and create friendships and partnerships and ideate with people. And, you know, over, over time, the more we do our inner work, we create spaciousness in ourselves. And so I was just continuing to create spaciousness in myself. And the more space that's there, the more I can choose deliberately to, what do I want to fill that space up with? And so that's where I started really creating more wealth for myself. Like in the first year that I met Christine, I paid off all my credit card debt and saved money and invested that money. And part of it is I needed someone to believe in me so I could believe in myself. I needed a real life example. We often need that outside of ourselves so that we can then go inside and within and say, oh, that's how I do it. And that was, you know, in short, how I began to build that bridge. But the foundation was really working with my low self-worth, low self-esteem, working with the shame, working with the trauma. You know, man, I did that for years, years, well before I met Christine. I was very responsible for that. And I remained in solitude. I worked with practitioners, counselors, psychologists, shamans, spiritual healers, guides, coaches. I invested in myself, even when I had to borrow money, I would borrow money from my mom. I would borrow money from people. I, I paid everyone back, of course. I would borrow money from the from the the banks, the credit cards. Like I would do whatever it took. I was relentless with my self healing journey, and that was really what bridged that gap. So, do you believe that there's a correlation then between the mindset shift that you had? And kind of like looking at the world from an abundant lens and the wealth that you've been able to create uh, over, I mean, the last five years, I feel like you've had a massive shift. Uh, and I'd love to know that correlation because I, for me personally, I believe it's more mental than anything. I believe wealth. Uh, and when I talk about wealth, it's all facets of. So it's time, it's financial resources, it's health, both mental, spiritual, and I'd say even emotional. And it's even like being on purpose or, or, you know, living in and being in tune with the passions that you have in life. And so like all that to me is, is like a component of wealth They're all sub chapters of it. But I believe personally that most people limit their potential because they are stuck in an old belief system or they've adopted someone else's belief system, probably their parents or whoever they were closest to growing up. And that everyone's kind of like one mental shift, one mindset shift away from abundance and incredible wealth, as opposed to where most people live, which is scarcity. There's not enough. We're going to run out. There's only so much. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. So the more inner work that I've done, the more abundance I've created in my life and every every facet of that. Um, my take on, on what you've just shared is yes and, because we've got to go to what underpins the belief system or the mindset, because we can shift our mindset. Like we, can, we can put lipstick on a pig, but the pig is still a pig, right? And so we can convince ourselves that, and I was just working with a client this morning where she made a decision five years ago to never be in a poverty mindset and she's committed to that 
yet she's still in poverty. And so the reason in, in her case is because she hasn't dealt with the underlying issues that prop up that belief system. And the underlying issues are what are the belief systems under the belief systems under the belief systems and what is the emotional charge that's connected to that? What's the payoff? What's the payoff for holding a scarcity mindset? Is it inclusion into the family or the generational system? Because if you break away from your family that was poor, I'm giving you an example, and you become wealthy, will you then be excluded from your family? Will you be outed? That's a That carries a massive emotional charge. That is the feeling of annihilation. Now, if we go back to evolutionary times, when you disagree or you're disagreeable with your tribe, you would be kicked out of the tribe more than likely. Being alone in an environment that was very hostile and volatile means certain death. And so that that sense of survival is in us. And so we want to be agreeable to the tribe that we align with, whether that's family, peer groups, friends, business associates, et cetera. And so we have to deal with the emotions and the patterns, the psycho-emotional patterns that are attached to belief systems and mindset. We can work with mindset. It's a layer, right? We can work with that layer. However, can we sustain that mindset shift. We enhance our ability to sustain it when we do the deeper work, the emotional work, the foundational core work, the somatic work by physiologically closing any trauma loops that exist in the body. And that is a regulation of our nervous system. That is a physiological regulation of our nervous system. That means we move out of subtle sympathetic nervous system response into a more profound parasympathetic nervous system response. And that becomes our base operating way of being in the world as opposed to everything's a threat. When we're able to do that, we're able to sustain changes or sustain belief systems or new ways of being in the world. And that's how we enhance that, create greater sustainability, longevity, and also faster acting momentum. Yeah. You know, you, you think about the stress that that would put on your body to feel like you're all, there's always a threat around. And I feel like with a lot of our veterans that come back, that's the world they live in because they were trained for this to always look, to always be assessing any levels of threat that could happen at any point in time. And so much of this, this inner work that you've discussed, I see done with people that, um, have these traumas from, war and battle and just living in a place where you're emotionally drained because you're on sensory overload, you're, you're, you know, heightened security nonstop. So what are those layers of the deeper healing work that you've done personally? You've got to solve for yourself first and, and then you can help solve for others. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, it's a great question. My background, I've an extensive background in this area, but essentially psychology, behavioral science, trauma-informed somatics, developmental psychology. And so the layers are working with some of the belief systems, some of the ideas formed um, during early childhood, so during our developmental formative years, where we really walk around in this brainwave state that absorbs so much of the environment and takes it for gospel, takes it for what it is. And then from there, we interpret that and form ideas about ourselves and about the world, how we give and receive love, our value, our worthiness. You know, we base a lot of that on how we're treated by our parents, uh, our primary caregivers. So a lot of work around that and giving those parts of us that maybe didn't have a voice or didn't have uh, an, an appropriate expression or an, uh, for a particular experience such as being yelled at or being hit 
or being sexually abused is something a little more extreme or being bullied at school or being teased or not feeling good enough for their parents because their grades weren't there. And, and that develops this overachieving sense of self and perfectionist sense of self that over time compounds and becomes the norm for one's life. And so it's all about competition. It's all about perfection. It's all about being better. It's all about excessive doing, never satisfied, always achieving, defining our worth and our value by the more money and zeros we have in our bank account, the more status on our titles and the more businesses we have and properties we own and et cetera, et cetera, then we'll be happy, but we're never really happy. So we're you know, searching the emptiness of life. It's working with those parts. It's inner child work. It's somatic work. An example of somatic work is breath work. Breath work for expanding and tapping into, expanding consciousness and tapping into the unconscious emotional self. Particular breath techniques will activate parts of the hippocampus where unconscious memory is stored. And we can then not bring those memories back into explicit, overt memory, but rather the emotions that were trapped or charged or, or held in those experiences, bring them to the surface to be moved and released so we can cl close trauma loops. These are obviously processes, right? These are, and it doesn't just happen once, sometimes it can, but it generally happens over expanded periods of time. There are so many men and women that I've worked with that are very successful. You know, decamillionaires, centimillionaires, successful, somewhat successful in their interpersonal uh, relationships, in their intimate relationships. Most are not, from my experience. But accessing these parts of us that have been repressed and and or suppressed, only then not only enhances their wealth and their capacity to earn more. Right, that's one thing. That's a that's a bonus. That's great. But here's the best part: they become more content with what they have and who they are. And they don't need to keep chasing the elusive what's next or the more monster. I need more to feel better about myself. We get to shift that when we do that inner work. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a special offer that I created for the Lifestyle Investor community. When I look back at my investing journey, there's one specific investment in particular that was the spark to increasing my net worth and allowing me to leave my job to become a lifestyle investor. I'm talking about mobile home parks. Yes, mobile home parks. If you just cringed a little, that's exactly why these provide such a great opportunity because of the negative stigma and stereotype people might have. In reality, this is an incredible investment that you can get into with little or no money down. You can also quickly get a return on your capital. You can immediately cash flow on day one. You can hold it forever as a cash cow. You get accelerated depreciation to reduce or eliminate the taxes that you would owe. And often the seller will finance the deal so you don't need a bank. You can also buy them at the highest cap rate of all real estate meaning it's the cheapest real estate to buy based on the income that it generates. And it's the lowest default rate of all real estate, meaning it's the safest asset class to own in real estate. I use this asset class to start my journey in real estate investing and grow my net worth to over eight figures all before I turned 40. And out of all the questions that people ask me, how do I get into mobile home parks is still the number one question that I get which is why I put together this mobile home park masterclass. This is a paid class that I'm offering for a limited time only. For all the details, head over to justindonald.com forward slash M 
HP and watch the video, which outlines all the details about the class and exactly what you get when you sign up. You'll also hear the incredible success stories from students who have gone through my content and are now making hundreds of thousands of dollars in passive income. If you want to take the same first step that I did that helped me take both my wife and I from working full-time jobs to becoming lifestyle investors, join me in my Mobile Home Park Masterclass and let's get started on your journey to becoming a lifestyle investor. Visit justindonald.com forward slash MHP for all the details. That's powerful. Being content with where you are, not needing more to prove your worth, to just know that you're loved, just who you are as you are, and that you're enough just the way you are. And I think those are two things. Tony Robbins talks about those being your two primary questions or, or the two things that most people need to solve for or think about constantly that shape everything about them. And so I love hearing you go through this. And I love knowing that you've done this in your own life. I also have seen you in work. I've seen the relationship you and Christine have, and it's amazing. I, there, there are very few couples that I have seen that love each other the way you do, communicate the way you do, hold each other in the highest regard the way you do. And I know a lot of the work that you've done over the years has been kind of, you know, coaching and consulting, you know, with your, your conscious mentorship brand with like CEOs and entrepreneurs. But I also know you've done a lot of really cool work with couples from a relationship standpoint. And I'd love to hear about kind of each of the the programs and and the genesis of one that kind of led to and created the other. Yeah. So for me, Justin, you know, relationships have been very beautiful for me, interpersonal, romantic, intimate, sexual relationships and those partnerships, but they've been a crux. They've been very challenging for me in the sense that I hid and I ran away from my pain and unresolved trauma through sex love compulsion, sex compulsion, sex addiction. As a result of that, there was infidelity in my relationship, cheating, dishonesty, I wore masks. I had a disregard for their emotional needs. I wasn't present and I was hiding. I needed more and more sex to feel better about myself and to validate myself. And not only was that painful, it was also a distraction. And it was a convenient distraction because it was such beautiful pleasure you know, the novelty and variety of, of being with a different woman every night or every week, even when I was in intimate relationship and not being honest with what one, what my needs were because I didn't like who I was and I hadn't dealt with my pain. I hadn't dealt with my unresolved trauma. That was the truth of it. And until I did all that, I wasn't able to bring a real self, my real self into relationship. And I found working with couples, and I do a lot of work with couples actually as well, I, I, particularly I work with couples that – um run their own businesses or actually work in their, it's a family business. Like it's their business. They work in it together because it's really challenging. Christine and I are the same. We, we work together and we live together and we love together and we're partners together. And that can be actually really challenging to do that. So I, I tend to work a lot with couples that particularly in that space, helping them navigate the complexities of that, right? And still be in polarity and still be in honesty and still help the business grow and all those good things and really get to the truth of what are the blocks around that and what are the limitations around that. But I've found that when you are deeply honest with your partner, you attract, when, you're, you're, when you bring yourself to the world fully, 
you attract, let me go back, when you bring yourself to the world fully and you don't edit yourself and you care about yourself and you like yourself and you love yourself and you see yourself and you honor yourself and you bring that to the world, you attract a very different caliber of relationship. One that's actually in alignment, not only with who you are and who you want to be, but who you're becoming, truly becoming. And then you help each other become. So for those of you that want to be in a relationship or are, are in intimate relationship and choose to be there, I'm the type of guy that's like, I'm either in or I'm out. If I'm going to be in something, then let me be all the way in, right? Let me maximize my time and my energy in the space that I'm in. And so for me, I want to be able to get the best out of that. And it, it was honestly, you know, many, many years, over a decade, well over a decade of hardship and pain and, and shame, man, like dealing with the shame of all the women that I hurt and I was dishonest with and, and myself, all the parts of me that I neglected because I was unwilling and unable and didn't have the courage and the tools to really face my stuff. And so the, the work that I do with couples for me is very meaningful. And also just, you know, being reformed in that way, the, the work I do with women is very meaningful as well because I've worked very hard to just be honest and real and be authentic and be safe be safe in my nervous system, learn to regulate my own nervous system so those around me. Because I understand physiology so deeply and, and, and neuroscience and neuroscience of psychology, like social neuroscience, that if I can be safe in my body, I enhance the chances of those in my field also feeling that and tapping into their own sense of safety. And we do that together and we grow together. And that's one of the ways that I believe, and I'm, I'm almost certain, one of the ways that we've accelerated as a humanity is through um, social neuroscience, is through neuroception, is through learning through each other's uh, uh, nervous systems unconsciously. Yes, there's you know, the advent of fire and, and cooking our meat and, and, and all these other uh, factors as well, I'm sure, and maybe psychedelics that played a role there a few thousand years ago, and how we've evolved in the advent of language and the prefrontal cortex development, all those things. But one of the ways I think we've been able to socialize so effectively is through the way we relate to each other. And that, that applies to every facet of life, every facet of life, particularly business, because business is relationships. It's all about relationships. Life is about relationships to self, to ideas, to others, to sex, to food, to all the things, right? To all the things that we want, to the Lamborghini that we want, whatever it is. I don't personally want a Lamborghini. I'll just use that example, but you know, it's all the things. Yeah, that's powerful. And I just appreciate your realness, your pure, raw honesty of where you were, how you didn't show up as the person that you wanted to be and the shifts that you've made, which I know were not easy into the man that you are today, who is faithful, who puts his wife first and in a good way on a pedestal, like you revere her and, you know, to be a dad. And it's, it's just so cool to see who you've become through this process. You wrote a book recently called Tuned In and Turned On, and I'd love to hear you share some of your thoughts because I've got to imagine a lot of what we've started discussing today can be found in this book and, and a lot of levels deeper as well. Mm, yeah, very well said, actually, Justin. Levels deeper, yes. And the book essentially is... so. For a while now, probably a couple of years, every Sunday I will I will um on social media and on my blog, 
I will post a, a short article, uh, amusing if you if you wish, uh, you know, philosophical poetry around sacred intimacy and sacred sexuality and, and connecting to each other and masculine feminine dynamics and the power of relationships. And I'll accompany that with a um, usually quite a sensual or erotic image to really a capture the audience, but b really enhance and amplify the words that are being read, right? And I thought to myself, not long after, actually, I should turn this into a book. Oh, yeah, I will turn it into a book. So I did. So I turned it into a book. But then I went a, a few steps further and I said, you know what? This, this I've got to go deeper with this. Can't just be a book of musings and images. That's great and it's powerful, but that's more like a coffee table book. I've sort of already done that before. Yes, short wisdom, like the, the Vedic texts are all about short paragraphs and chapters and so forth, sometimes a few words, sometimes a sentence. And that's potent and powerful, but I wanted to go deeper. And so with my editor, we split it up into seven themes, seven themes that are relative to being human in relationship. And what I did was in each theme, I, I speak to the relevance of that theme in our lives and how it plays out in every facet of our lives, but also the developmental hindrance that occurred when we were young, how that was formed and how that can sometimes develop very unhealthy habits as adults. And so I provide those connections and those links. I share a lot of my own personal story. And then I provide, I don't want to say solutions, but practices to engage in that can begin to shift you into more positive, healthier habits and patterns. Each theme is, has about 10 to 12 musings. So there's about 80 something musings in the, in the whole book um, that are really there designed to show you what's possible. And they speak to a variety of subject matter, but all through the lens of sacred intimacy, of relationship, of sexuality and how powerful our sexuality can be. And when we really learn to harness that energetic, emotionally, spiritually, physically, materially, we can create massive affluence and abundance in the world, in, in our world external to us, but in our internal world, where we, we are consistently satisfied and we're not driven by feeling uh, the void of not being enough, but rather we're driven by pure inspiration. We're pulled towards the thing that we're yearning for and that we're envisioning and dream weaving as opposed to, oh, I don't feel enough, so I have to fill that void with something. Let me buy the next condo or the next uh, big business deal. Let me make the next $10 million or whatever it may be. And so I go a lot deeper into that. It's quite a, a decent-sized book, yeah. Well, it's interesting because that is the addiction that I think a lot of people with like an alpha personality have. It's like you might classify it as I want more. I have this insatiable desire for more, but it's often not that it can be that. But I actually think it's the thrill of the next thing, the thrill of the kill. It's this heightened, uh, you know, dopamine blast that you get and what it's like to ha to take some sort of risk and to you know, kind of be living on the edge a little. And, and I think that there's an addiction that a lot of people have to those emotions. And sometimes people will manifest that in like their relationships. And that's probably not the healthiest way to do it, but that's how you can make the relationship exciting. Right. And so it'd be interesting to hear you dissect that a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. So we'll either we'll either do that. We'll, we'll put in the relationship and place an expectation on someone else to fill that void within us. Us. And that's a that's a heavy burden for someone else to fill, right? Or we'll place that burden, and maybe it's not always a burden, but we'll place that responsibility into the next thing that we're doing that we need to be successful that defines our identity in the world. And if that doesn't work out, or if the relationship doesn't work out, or if that person that's carrying that very heavy load, whether they know it consciously or unconsciously, can't do that and they give that load back to you, we take it as rejection or abandonment or humiliation. 
which is often amplified by unresolved rejection, abandonment, or humiliation, which hasn't been resolved like the core wound. Here's an example. When you have a thin gold chain and it's in your drawer and you, you pull it out, it's all knotted up and you're trying to undo the knots and it's really challenging. But then you get that one knot and when you undo that one knot, all the other knots just unravel and you've got the thin gold chain. That's like our emotional wounds, right? We wouldn't have just experienced rejection for the first time when we were 35 years old. We probably more than likely experienced rejection when we were very young and we haven't processed it appropriately, physiologically, mentally, and emotionally. And so when we deal with the core wounds, we seek to project less and we seek to take more responsibility for who we are and who we want to be, as opposed to saying, well, I'm going to put it all in the relationship. I'm going to put it all in this, in this deal that I've just done, you know, with 30 properties. And as soon as they all sell and I get 200,000 from each, oh, it's going to be great. And I can't do that thing. But what's the energy behind it? Be in the relationship. But what's the energy behind it? What are you giving and what are you taking? And importantly, how are you giving? Why are you giving and how are you taking and why are you taking? Is it coming from a place of deficit and pain and avoidance or is it coming from a very genuine place? And that's where we often don't go there as people. I'll say one more point to this, right? Ignorance can be defined as a lack of awareness. Most of us are ignorant to the things that we need to look at because we don't want to be aware because awareness is power and with power comes great responsibility. So it's easier to avoid being aware, keep distracting ourselves with all the shiny lights and the things like the new relationship after the new relationship after the new relationship because when the honeymoon period ends, then it gets too difficult. So we break up and we often break up too early. Some breakups need to happen, but often it's too early because we haven't extracted the lessons. Then we jump to the next relationship because it's exciting. The dopamine's there, the anticipation, the anticipatory hormone of dopamine props us up. So we avoid being aware. If we can just be aware then we have to take action on the awareness because it's more painful to be aware of something and not take action on it and know that we need to than to just not be aware of it at all. So we have to come to some level of acceptance of what am I going to be aware of? What am I going to take massive ownership of? Yeah, that's powerful. I, I love the way that you describe it. I love how you dig into it. That's game-changing topics and depth right there. And you know, I hope that those of you that are in a place where you recognize uh, some similarities, you can get the healing that you need. So uh, awesome stuff. Gosh, Steph, I love spending time with you. You are so interesting and so inspiring. Where can our audience learn more about you? Where can they get the book? Give us uh, all the details of how we can connect with you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Um, well, first of all, I very much appreciate being here and, and um, it's always great connecting and conversing with you as well. Social media at Stefanos Stefandos, my website, uh, Stefanos Stefandos, and I have a, a special pre-order URL for my book, which um, I'll, I'll provide to you. I think I've already provided it to you um, and you can include that to, to, order the, to pre-order the book. That would be amazing. Awesome. Well, we'll get all this in the show notes and I'm just so excited to have you on today. This has been such a fun session. I appreciate you sharing all your expertise, all the trials and tribulations you've had and, and how you've solved for them and, and really moved into the position of the man that you wanted to be. Uh, and I know Christine has done this in the same shape as the woman she wants to be and collectively how you want to be in this world as a couple. So cool. 
And I want to wrap today up as I do with each episode. And that's with a question, what I think is one of the most powerful and important questions to wrap your head around and create some clarity with. And that's this. What's one step that you can take today to move towards financial freedom in a life by design? Not a life by default, a life that's on your terms and by your playbook. Thanks, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.